somewhat privileged podcast where we blend and we go ahead and connect the Gen X to the Gen Z uh, generations, uh, throw in the millennials every now and then to make sure that they are all uh, on par with what we're talking about. So first off, welcome to my our podcast. Um, want to say what up to my co-host, Big AJ. What up? Man, how you doing? Shout out to the creator of that beat, uh, Mr. Darehouse. Darehouse on Instagram. Beautiful, beautiful. That's right. And uh, on the boards, the one I producing for us is Big Pharaoh Joe. What up, Joe? Hey, what's good, y'all? What's good? What's going on? So, man, it's a wonderful week. Another week of quarantine. Went ahead and decided to bless you guys with our very first number one podcast. It'll be podcast number one. This is the one for the books. This is the one when we are on a talk show, I guess, five years from now on show number 750. And we one of the most famous podcasts in the land. They'll uh, say, okay, listen to, listen to the first one. And they'll realize how maybe how terrible we were at this. But we know what we're going to have fun and just do some things. What's going on, AJ? What's the word? Well, I have, I have a little quarrel. So the other day, Uh-oh. I was watching NBA TV. Um, um, you know, just some stellar content they're putting on TV. Yeah, you know, I'm, I miss, I'm missing basketball. Sometimes they have, like, you know, the good game 2016. Western Conference Finals carries that, you know, game winner in overtime or, you know, Kobe drops, you know, 80, whoever it is, you know, sometimes you some good content on there, but not, not yesterday. What was yesterday? Yesterday they showed um, Michael Jordan going off for 55 on uh, MSG. Oh, the Knicks, 45 game. Yeah, when he was number 45, when he came back. Mm-hmm. Classic. I got a few questions. <laughs> I just don't understand. First of all, how y'all watch basketball back in the day. Michael Jordan's a great talent. Of course. The, the GOAT. Probably the GOAT. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most likely the GOAT. But God damn, the amount of 17 foot jumpers I saw in that <laughs> game. It's not even it's, it's not even like bad. I mean, I get sometimes you settle with the shot, but I, in my head I'm thinking like no one it's just you, one guy in front of you. I don't know if they even knew what a step back was back in the day. He took one step back. That well, one two point turn to a three pointer. Real quick. It was pure basketball back then. It was that's probably the way the game, the game had evolved by that that time. But the game was a lot more pure back then too. Man, they showed <laughs> they showed John. One of the first things that stick out my mind at least was John Starks. I think they got steal. Mm-hmm. You know, John Starks mm-hmm. running down the court, stops. The, they stop the bull, stop the fast break. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, good job, defense job. But all John Starks does stop right on the free throw line. Look for Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing ain't open. Pass out to another guy. Pass it to another guy, another white dude. I don't even know who the dude was. White dude just runs, <laughs> drives to the hoop, <laughs> and it's just a gang of bull players. I'm like, man, there's no pass out, driving, driving past, <laughs> driving past. Everything is just 17 foot jumpers. So what you want threes? I, uh, it'd be nice. Well, okay. So you know the three point shot came in a little late, and I almost sure yeah. I guess back in those days, I mean. Steph Curry's in the in the the James Harden's of the world. Those guys just came around the last few years. So a three pointer was just such a high percentage shot that you would much rather have a two, which is why the centers of the of the back in the day of the you know the the Patrick Ewins and the Shacks and 
the David Robinsons and the Hakeem Olajuwans, those guys were so fierce because they were automatic two points because dump it down low, they're close to the basket, their shots are a lot more high percentage. Well, that's my point. There's no reason. That div- I don't think, okay, there's no legitimate reason in my mind that David Robinson and Hakeem Olajuwon shouldn't be averaging at least seven assists a game just purely on the amount of times it collapses on them and how often there's somebody open in the corner. Well, that's the thing. Because I'm watching, as I was watching it, I, I, I realized that it's just like, you drive and then the whole defense would collapse on you on the post. Was like, All right, I get it. But I mean, come on, man. Th- that's the thing. Though. It's, just, it's just, I guess, I guess the principles of it is like, I get that there's a different game. Mid Rangers was the way to go. But the fact they were so close to three point line <laughs> is what got me mad. Cause it's like, you, they, it seems like they would do is they'll get the ball in the corner, right? At the three point and then move up to take a two point. Again, it's just that high percentage um, behind the arc was just you only had a few like deadly shooters back in the day where, you know, Reggie Miller was one of those guys that could, you you know, you leave him open on the behind three point line. He was burying one. Hey, heck, even Steph Curry's daddy, Dale, Dale was deadly behind the three. You had Dale Ellis from the Sonics. You had a, you had a few guys um, that would that would Steve Kerr. Those guys were just three point. And outside shooters that would just kill you if they were left open. The problem was, which I think is different from today, is that when you had somebody in your face and you try to three back in the day, and I, when I mean back in the day, I mean 90s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, you try three pointing back in, in the day with someone in your face, it was like it was a terrible shot because you were like, dude, why are you shooting that high percentage shot with someone in your face? And now Steph Curry and James Harden make that look easy. You know, and Ray Allen made it look easy. So back in the day, you just didn't have a lot of guys that unless they were wide open and they had to be wide open in their spot. It couldn't just be wide open anywhere on the court. I mean, we Lakers had Michael Cooper. Cooper was a good three-point shooter, but he had to be in that corner. He couldn't be nowhere else. So what you're telling me <laughs> is that athletes now are just a lot better. No, I'm not. Basketball players are a lot better. I, I think they practice athletes today probably practice threes all the time. Like this all, like I'm sure Steph Curry, he shoots what five and three pointers a, a day or something like that. So yeah, he's going to naturally become a three point, you know, nightmare. I guess, I guess the reason I say this is because the spacing was so bad because no one could shoot threes. So it's like, I mean, at looking outside, looking in, you just think like, Oh shit, nobody's even, but think about how dominant a big man had to be back well, in the day. No, I, I, I get that. But, my whole thing would be like if I had so let's think of it so let's think of something like this so let's say I have a dominant big man and I had a I'm, I'm just gonna throw out Del Curry mm-hmm. so Del Curry you know he can shoot threes man the amount of pick and rolls you can run with those two but here's the thing you got some back in the day I'm not the centers across the board probably were a lot more equal so if I got Shaq guarding David Robinson. I'm not leaving Dale Curry because I know Shaq can hold David Robinson, you know, and I'm yeah, using that an example. But you look at guys like uh like Shaq probably would have averaged today, Shaq would probably average like 45 points a game. David Robinson probably would average 35. Hakeem probably would average 50. Okay, okay. No, I get that. But how many of those games are winning? Because like let's think let's think about this, because sure you have that dominant big man in there, but like I get your point of saying like shooting a three with, with somebody in your face isn't an efficient shot and you're right it isn't but there's a whole point of analytics 
it's like it's not it might not be the most efficient shot but the my chances of taking get taking that shot and then getting that one extra point outweighs me settling for a, a well, you know, that's a the thing now, jumper. if you I think today defense is so horrible that the reason why they make so many threes now is because the defense is so terrible. I don't know. See, I, I disagree with that. It's because there are people <laughs> like James Harden who can shoot with a dude directly in front of him, and they just happen to make Because that's the point of the three-point shot. I, no, no, the point of the three-point shot is it's a it's a he. When you say people more days are practicing that, they're practicing, basically what they're doing is they're putting something in front of them and just trying to shoot over it. Joe, you got to pull up James Harden three-point percentage regular season and James Harden three-point percentage playoffs. Because I'm telling no, it's you, bad. He, 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 it's I, bad. I, I, I got I got to stop for you guys right here. I got to stop for you guys. Um, there's one player in NBA history who shot over 900 threes. He's actually the only player that shot over a thousand threes in one season. I want you guys to take us to who that player was. James Harden. I'm gonna say Steph Curry. No, it was last season. James Harden took 1,028 threes. That's terrible. <laughs> That's terrible. That, that, that is just, that, that is, there's no way. You cannot tell me and convince me. Like, somebody like, man, <laughs> Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, they would have killed James Harden. There's no way a player would have taken that many shots. A thousand three-point shots? What was his percentage? Uh, <laughs> it was terrible. I'm about to look that one up his later. Percent, his percentage when he shot his percent. How much? Uh, these are his three point percentages for the past uh, five years. Last year, what was last year? No, the, last year. The, I'm gonna do it from this from this season to okay. five years. This season, even though it ended shortly, in 61 games he averaged 35 percent from three. <laughs> the year year before that, 36, 36, 34, 35. He's never he's never been over forty percent three point shooter in his career. So if he's hitting one out of that's basically hitting one out of every maybe say three and a half three pointers. Well, wait, wait, right? here's, here's wait, 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 quick for I'm sorry to interrupt you, but one of the reasons why he even averages thirty points a game or that damn near close is because the man takes ten to eleven free throws a game. Okay, so nine percent of those. But imagine having a king who shot fifty percent from the field. So every time James Harden miss, I go down the court and I dump it down to the Hakeem or I have, uh, you know, a James Worthy who can shoot a 16, 15 footer at 50 percent. And so we're scoring every time we go down the court, one every out of every two times, you're scoring one out of every three and a half times. So I don't care how many threes you hit. My twos are going to outnumber your threes eventually. So. That's why I think that that the three is so so high percent. But I think the only reason why the three is so effective now is because everybody's taking them. So, yeah, I got the um. Let's see the most three point field goal attempts in a season right here. Mm-hmm. And um, so number one is one twenty one thousand twenty eight by James Harden. Two three four is Steph Curry around the seven eighty nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight eighty six and eight ten. And then fifth, James Harden. Sixth, Paul George. Seventh, James Harden. Eight, he took Kemba. 200 more threes than the next closest person. <laughs> Nine. He's shooting more threes than teams have for like a, a span of so many years. That's exactly. probably more so threes than like, you, you look at, like, look, I bet you Reggie Miller's numbers are nowhere near that that, that, that volume. Yeah. Well, actually, I pulled up. Sorry to interrupt you, Joseph. But I pulled up Kobe Bryant's. So these are his year. This is the year he won. He averaged 35 and 31 points a game, which mm-hmm. was 2005 and 2006. So I'm going to show you. I'm going to read you his uh, 
his uh, three-point attempts that season were uh, three-point attempts were only f- 2005 was 518. <laughs> That's a lot of twos, then. That's a lot too. But here's the here's here's the kicker. Too. A lot of here's the kicker. That season though, was 35 points. He, he still he still his total points was about two, 2,800 points. And Harden had twenty hundred points at one thousand three, <laughs> one thousand three. So that's exactly what I'm saying. So there's no way like that that fifteen footer and that those layups that Kobe is getting every game compared to the number of threes that James Harden taking. So it's just basically saying I'll just shoot more bullets and hope I hit more people. It's basically what James Harden how he plays. I mean, and I think back in the day when the games you're talking about with the Jordan games and the Nick games and the the games you're seeing on NBA TV, you're gonna see. You know, the, the people like uh, like, like like James Worthy, for instance, that, that guy was just, you can get it down low on the block with James Worthy. He would turn around, jump on, a, it would be a 10 to 12 footer every time. It was money. It was just automatic money. Shaq was automatic money. David Robinson was money. Well, Tim Duncan was money. Those guys, those high no, percent shots was just so. I, 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 I get that. But I guess, I guess what I would expect would be, I'm not expect, but what I would think would be like, kind of like how the Bucks play now. It's like mm-hmm. Giannis is their offense. Giannis can get to he can't he's not the best shooter, but that man can get to the hoop and score when he wants to. That man can do 35, 15 rebounds and six assists in twenty eight minutes. All right, real quick, I want to give you guys a I guess a little trivia because no, number ten is actually someone that's pre two thousands and he's a uh, tenth place with six hundred seventy eight uh, three point attempts in the season. Number nine seven hundred twenty two. So he's he's the first one who didn't get into seven hundred. And I want you guys to take a guess. It was 95, 96. I guess dad, because he's more th- that era. But 95, 96 season, who has the most three pointers in the season? Is it Reggie Miller? Three point attempts in the season. Was it Reggie Miller? Um, you said 95, 96? Yeah, it was not Reggie Miller. <laughs> you know yeah. what? I think I know who this is. I'm going to take a wild guess. <laughs> I'm going to say either like Antoine Walker or. Uh, Antoine Walker or Vince Carter, somebody like that. <laughs> no, you're close. Anti Walker was 19. He's he's the his his 2001 2002. He's 19. He had 645. But number 10 is George McLeod. He played for yeah. the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> I what? I remember him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I remember him. I guess my point would be because those are kind of. That's interesting. Uh, my point being, I guess I expect more teams back then to kind of play like the Bucks would. Like you have that big man who can score and they're all around, but he just, you just surround him with shooters. Mm-hmm. So it's like he can't drive the hoop or he's not doing the post. Just surround him with shooters so they, you know, pass it out, shoot it. But then again, I guess this is kind of how the Warriors, in a way, quote unquote, ruin basketball. Or just like it's one thing to do that, but you also have two of the best shooters. Yeah, you have to have the great shooters. I think. I think the the. To me, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a basketball no servant, but I know like the inside out game is really more or less dumping the ball in and then you having people cut to the basket. Move around a lot floppy. So, like, so yeah. in the inside out, the, that part of it is so everybody kind of touches the ball uh, and the ball is always moving around. So you you intentionally design like every layer or every play for someone to react or kind of go to the rim. Yeah, and okay. I think that's what makes the, the the offense so high. But when you got somebody like Steph Curry, and you add in a, 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 a what's my boy's name, Clay Clay Thompson, um, and you add in you know even somebody that's okay, Harrison Barnes or something, <laughs> yeah, the Harrison Barnes, you know that tin can, 
you know, somebody like that, that can just hit an occasional three. You keep everybody honest where you kind of have to kind of stay outside. But I think the thing with, with, uh, Golden State, they, they didn't have really an inside person to kind of dump it into. That's true. That was guaranteed. So they're just, yeah, they're just op- the, the yeah. way they play would just open up lanes. So they just drive the hoop. Mm-hmm. And do so it was but, just, but so you might say then that the Warriors are playing a young man's game. Oh, yeah. Then the Warriors are definitely, they've definitely moved basketball to another another era, another, another, another direction. I think what's going to happen, though, is all it's going to take, because the center is a lost art, the position, it's going to take somebody. Like like someone like a Zion who can just can, well, can well, just no, kill you on the block. My whole point about Zion Zion's a new age center though. The man's six seven, mm-hmm. three hundred pounds. Yeah, so it's like it, that's a new age center. But it, I think Zion is probably the hybrid where it's going to be. You're, you're probably going to have more centers like him. But I think what it's going all it takes to change this whole the whole landscape is to have a center who actually says he's six ten, six eleven. He plays with his back to the basket. He can drop a, a jump shot. And he can dominate you on the bo- on the box, and I think that that eliminates everything that you guys are doing on on this this inside. Yeah, out. well, I guess so. Before we move on to the next topic, one I just want to end with this one. It's just, you got to think about when it comes to that. You got to think about players like who play like that, like a Joel Embiid when they go up against the Warriors. Yeah, Joel Embiid might put up thirty five points, but Clay Thompson is still getting his shots in. So is Steph Curry. They all are. So it's kind of like. I've only heard you mention those two names. I'm like, again, that's oh, why they're such phenomenal. Shit, that's, that's but like, no, but you know what? I look at Trey Young as as yeah. even not, you know, he's not one of my favorite players. Um, the kid that was averaging what 30 and 10 when the season was over with his second year. But again, it goes back to my where is the defense at? Somebody like Trey Young, as good as he is and as best as good as he can shoot, he should not be averaging 30 and 10 because if the defense was just okay was just, I guess, above average. A B plus defense mm-hmm. should not. That's a, why. A, I mean, that, guard should be should should be holding him down. Th- that's why I think a Giannis thirty point per game is more impressive than Harden thirty five or a Trey. Oh, Young. most definitely. That's because I, I agree. I agree. Right. Anyway, I, I want you guys to touch on this one second real quick. Uh, I just I just emailed you guys this, but it's the um the three point field goal percentages um the highest three point field goal percentages in a season, and uh the only ones there's only one two. There's only two people in the top ten that's in the 2000s era that has a higher that's a, uh, that's in the highest three point percentages in the season. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I think, and that, again, it goes back to volume. Those guys are just taking yeah, that, that, that's so it. many threes. That's what now made their percentages are going to go down. That's what makes Curry so good, amazing. Is because sure these you know Kyle Kerber might have a or Steve Kerr might have more uh, more efficient percentages, but you also got to keep in mind that Curry probably has like a thousand more threes than they do. Mm-hmm. So, and Curry still like a chilling like a good 40 percent from three. You know what I mean? <laughs> and side note, I'm looking at this list you just sent me, Joe. Joe Johnson is number twenty on on leaders as far as three, three point percentages. And I look at, I think he's made more money than everybody above him combined. <laughs> <laughs> That's a anyway. role player. I'm telling you, man. I we'll go back in time. Uh, if I go back, I'm telling you, if I play, all I have to do. Back in the day, just shoot threes all day. Go to a nice college, make it looked at by a team. I was telling them, all I can do is shoot threes. That's it. That's why you gotta be a three. And look at Trevor. Was it Trevor Reza? Yeah, Trevor Reza. Clay yeah. Thompson's the ultimate three and D player. That's true. That's true. That's true. Okay, so anyway, speaking of a young men's game, we're talking about our next topic here. Um, recently, uh, so everyone being in quarantine and whatnot, you know, everybody has a lot of free time and. 
Instagram Live has been popping this past couple of years. You're getting some DJ battles. You're getting people doing drugs on there. It's 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 that's all over the place. And I ain't I'll be lying if I said I didn't haven't peeped a few things. But probably one of the <laughs> funniest things was um this was like in what 2018, I think, is when this happened. That um uh, defensive back Devontae uh Devontae. Was he a defensive back or was he a linebacker? He was a he was a defensive back. Devontae he Davis. Devontae mm-hmm. Davis, he was a corner. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he was he just signed that offseason, he just signed with the Bills, new season starting. You know, people were all hyped about it. But I remember at halftime in that game, a report came out that he <laughs> he decided to retire. Like from, to, I know you're talking about. I remember this. Man. Retire from the NFL. <laughs> and uh we're gonna pull up the little clip from the from the video <laughs> that we saw. Go ahead. Trey went to his house because we had to know what was going on. Yeah. Like what made you and he said, he said, Shady, I just, I'm out there, Shady, and just, Shady, you Shady McCool, you can't call the dime. It's time to go. It's a young man's game. Yeah. That's, that's how he talked. <laughs> hey, my dog, my dog, Pate said, nah, man, I yeah. Well, he, he told me on the side, we, we, we came like a three and out. He just made, he just had just made like a big, big stop on third down. <laughs> he had put his fist up, got the crowd pumping everything. So we got to the sideline, you know what I mean? Offense going, going, so we about to punt. Coach was like, y'all get ready. He was like, yeah, I'm done, young boy. <laughs> <laughs> I look, I'm like, hold on. He was like, yeah, this is my last go round. So I looked at him, I was like, uh, what you mean? Like, this your last, oh, this gonna be your last year? He was like, nah, this gonna be my last game. I'm done. <laughs> he said, hey, that boy, yeah. but they said, I'm, I'm done, young Trey, man. Y'all boys got this. Okay, so that was on Sean McCoy's Instagram line. And it's just so funny to think like the confusion he caused. It's like, oh no, I'm out. Okay, we'll see you others to drive. Nah, dog. I need more time. I need I need to get HR on the phone now. I was wondering after I heard that clip. I mean, I remember that happening and I was like, oh man, good for him. You know, he's getting out before CTE. He just knows when it's time to quit and he lost his passion for the game. So it's better for him to just leave when he doesn't have a passion no more. Kind of, you know, and I'm like, but I was wondering like, <laughs> at what moment in the game <laughs> did Vontae Davis tell himself like, you know what? Fuck this shit. <laughs> you probably, uh, my whole point too, you probably, he probably got, you know, just for the game, got off of his phone was accountant. He's a real estate agent. It's like, actually, we got a broke up price on this thing. You got enough money to set you and your family up for generations. Yeah, because I'm thinking he didn't. It couldn't have been an in-game decision. It had to be something that you was thinking about. Like, So it had to be either like the week before or maybe two weeks before. And he something had to happen. And he was like, hey, you know what? Mm-mm. I, no, I'm, I'm set. I'm good. What's even more disturbing? He went through training camp and OTAs <laughs> and then now decided during the middle of the season, nah, man, this ain't for me anymore. It's a young man's game. He made sure to sign that guaranteed money. How much am I getting? <laughs> Shit, get sure on the phone. I, I just, uh, I, it, like I said, I, I, would, I would love to know. I respect it. I know he probably told them during the game, but I, it had to be a moment that week prior where he told himself, you know what? This is a young man's game. I bet it happened in that morning he woke up. He probably woke up and was just like, it. How how early I have to wake up again? What time to be at the stadium? <sighs> that, 
that I'm done. I just I'm done, man. You don't. You don't. This is your last year. This is my last game. This is my man. last game. <laughs> what do you mean? Like after game? Nah. Like this is my last. This quarter. The first this is my last play. This is the first game of the season. <laughs> we got sixty. Uh, Fifteen more of these. <sighs> it had to be during like training camp. He was like, you know what? What am I doing? What am I doing here? Now, I like to think. I honestly like to think it's like he woke up that morning, and he just like he just. <laughs> Just something about it. Well, about time for me to be hitting the old dusty trail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just like <laughs> that man. That means that what, I bet what happened was you know I bet it was too. I bet he was like you know I, I could still got one more year. I mean, this is my last year, whatever it is. All it took was that one tackle. Who they played? Does he look up who they played that? Who um, they played preseason? Because that that had to be. No, nah, no, nah, he's a veteran. He didn't have to play preseason. You don't think he played preseason? I don't think he had to play preseason. I think they were playing the Chargers. So he, he probably tackled, what's the running back? Melvin, Melvin Gordon. Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> he hit one of Melvin Gordon thighs. No, 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 like, no. I bet, I bet it was like, I bet it was like, he had a, he had a guard like Keenan Allen. <laughs> Shit. You know, maybe you this think it was a Melvin Gordon sweep. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Mm-mm. I had business decision. <laughs> this ain't for me no more. Or, no. or he came to the sideline, maybe after like play three and some fat little, Defensive coordinator was yelling at him because he didn't break up the sweep the sweep pattern. <laughs> Why did you die when that play, <laughs> man? No, I mean I hey, totally, I feel it. This is like my my last year in high school football. You kind of just like look, man. Well, y'all were losing. Man, the lot. Bills were losing that year too. That was the year before they got Josh Allen. But you weren't making millions of dollars a year to, to play. But I still understand. <laughs> All takes is one I, play. I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. I mean, look at Andrew Luck. He 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 said, "You know what? I'm done." Yeah, he, that man, at least he waited till before the season. It was like a <laughs> point, actually, so, before the season. So Tredavious Wright got in trouble uh, by his fan base, and uh, so he, he tweeted the day after the Instagram live. He said, "Quote: See, man, y'all keep posting, reposting that damn live with me and Shady. Y'all got me in trouble. Uncle Avante called me this morning. Stop, y'all. And no, I didn't hang up halfway through the conversation. We finished strong and goodbye." <laughs> So is that what he's going to be known as? Dude who cuts out earlier? Cuts out earlier? <laughs> it's like, are you sure? Before you leave. Vontae, like, I was on the way over to your house. We just had to decide halfway over there. I'm not going over there anyway. <laughs> That's probably how it was. I bet he was even at school like that. You know, he's at school taking a test. He's like, I was like, I was, like, I was going to do the essay, but I got halfway through and just, just said whatever, man. He's like, hey, baby. Uh, uh, baby, what are you doing? Uh, I got mine, but I, I'm not done. Oh, you, you came too late. You should. <laughs> it's a competition now. You can't why, why are you always pulling out early, Vontae? <laughs> like, I bet he's the type. I bet he's the type to try to leave real early to try to beat lines. You, or like, or like, even like he's at a golf course, right? Him and his golfing. He's in that golf course, you know, middle of the middle of the game. He's kind of like, hey man, we should bounce before, before traffic gets real. <laughs> before traffic gets real bad over here. <laughs> he's gonna pick up, and then he's trying rushing people. Hey, God, come on, guys, come on! He probably can make a living off this. He could probably be like the sub subway spokesperson for the six inch sub. Why go all the way? Get a six incher. Well, stop already! <laughs> can't even be like he can't even do anything. It's just like, like he, he probably was like if he had a regular ass job. Like I think I'm gonna be a little early today. Gonna beat the traffic. It's three o'clock. We got three more hours. I wonder what he's doing anyway. I hope good man. Good luck with Devontae. Good, good for you, bro. You got your money going. Get on out of there, man. Football is a is a deadly game, and 
it definitely can lead to some some injuries. So, hey, best of luck to you, Vontae. Speaking of injuries, what's up? Um, you hear about the news about Tua? Oh yeah, he had uh, some workouts, right? Did pretty good, right? Yeah, he had a little pro day. I I saw some of the um some of the uh, film on it. Um, Chris Mortensen tweeted it. It it didn't. It's tough to watch because they were like, I don't know why they did this. It was like a it looked like an arena football court, uh, arena football uh, field. Mm-hmm. But they were playing like sideways, so their short fields were a lot shorter. So I guess they're trying. Was to the indoor field like an Alabama or something like that? Yeah, it was like an indoor facility I think, okay. in Alabama. So like, but it looked like they probably used that just for like like running and stuff, like forty yards or whatever. See, I had a question about that, and and I want to get the tool in a second because that's that's probably my favorite quarterback, even though Joe disagrees with me. Um, but what what makes a player injury prone? Well, see, no, no, that's a good question because I, I all automatic always comes down to situation they're in. You know, what I mean, like for example, RG three. One of the reasons why his career got derailed so much because not only did he got hurt, he mm-hmm. messed up his leg, but the one thing they kept doing was kept running them. It's like, okay. instead, instead of focusing on so like they made him more susceptible. Yeah. Or like, so or my like, thing is, is then how does Tua get that kind of that moniker as being injury prone when one, he, I mean, I, I don't think he was, he, he, he wasn't hurt, you know, a lot. He just got one bad injury. Yeah, that's, that's basically what happens is he had, what happened would be like he'd play, let's say he played most of the season, mm-hmm. right? But then just fall wrong once. And and the thing is, he usually be out for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Or just out two weeks. I ain't, I ain't that big of a deal. Against Vanderbilt. Yeah, like yeah. Vanderbilt, something like that. Like, all right, we're playing Vanderbilt in Middle Tennessee. You know, like, that, Pepperdine, like, you'll that, be fine. That awesome Alabama schedule they yeah, play. Exactly. So obviously, <laughs> they're probably just like, all right, you're cool. You can take your break, whatever it is. But so that's the thing that um, Chris Morrison brought up. They said, Injury prone is such a weird title to have because it always depends on situation. Like when Matthew Stafford first came out, mm-hmm. he got hurt. I think he missed like this first of his like 20 yeah. first 24 something games. He missed like 16 of them or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So they thought they could get the label injury prone. All of a sudden he played eight full seasons without a problem. Vice versa, Andrew Luck, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No injury problems at all. All of a sudden, the offensive line can protect him. And he's getting shit in, shot in the ribs, mm-hmm. bleeding internally and shit like that. And it causes him to retire. Now, all of a sudden, he's injury prone. You know what I mean? It really but, depends on the situation. But play... No, I'm just joking. Yeah, don't start. <laughs> it's, it turns into the whole thing where it's like, if Tua goes to a... a if Tua goes to a team that prioritizes his health, meaning like, of course he, he probably will sit out a year. But let's say he sits out a year. But even with... That's why I don't want, that's why I don't want him to go to the Chargers... Because the one thing charges for the past, like, man, I remember Ryan Rosillo, shout out to Ryan Rosillo on his podcast. Um, he, he had a stat where like, some ridiculous stat, like for the past like 15 seasons or something like that, the Chargers have been like in the bottom half, like the one of the worst offensive lines mm-hmm. in, in the league mm-hmm. for the past 15 years. So that's why I do not want him to go with the Chargers because I don't, I ain't going to change anytime soon. No, I don't think so either. I think, I think he, I think that's any quarterback though. I think any quarterback you put you know, in the in, in the NFL, and you tell them, "Hey, listen, um, got you some pretty good wide receivers and a pretty good tight end and a pretty good running back, but uh, your offensive line is horrible." Good thing you can get that real, real, real that ball real quick. <laughs> yeah, like, so I think that's going to be a problem for anybody. I think I think Deshaun Watson's going to face that same problem in the upcoming years, where he's going to be start becoming quote unquote injury prone because his offensive line is horrible. He's running a lot. 
Um, I think he's going to take some big shots, but I well, think Tua is going to be one of those guys where I think if you give him, I think his his decision making is so good. I think he's going to be able to get, get back and, and, and get rid of the ball real fast. And I don't think that's going to be a problem for him in the NFL. Well, you know, neither do I, but I think that's kind of like the funny part about his pro day where it's kind of like showing you, I get the ball out real quick. Mm-hmm. Cause I know y'all can't, I know whatever team I'm probably going to go to probably won't be able to protect me. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess at the same time, you're protecting your investment and it's even harder for a guy like, even for a guy like Drew Brees or for a guy like, you know, who's more on the smaller side, even Russell Wilson, one reason about Russell Wilson, why he never gets hurt. Because the minus had to move, but hard to move. All it takes is one shot, and all of a sudden Russell Wilson can't move as much anymore. Then, like that, really shows the holes you have. See, I think that's. And I, I like to look at Tua, and, and maybe I'm, I'm again, I'm not a professional scout, but when I watch him play, I see more Russell Wilson in in, in Tua than I see, you know, uh, Tom Brady or or. Uh, and yeah. They say he's a dual threat quarterback. I don't think he's a dual threat to me. I don't think he can run. And he can I don't think he has. I don't think he has Deshaun Watson. And, yeah, yeah. And Lamar Jackson speed where he mm-hmm. can you know elude people constantly on you know, over the period of two or three games in a row. I think he does have enough kind of wiggle. I call it that, you know, he has enough wiggle in him to, to kind of get rid of the ball fast, extend some plays, get them going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if he can just avoid the big shots, I think he'll be okay. That's why I think he's going to be the best quarterback in the draft. Um, you know, people are going to say Joe Burrow. I, I just think, I think I, for Burrow, it's going to really come down to his offense coordinator, what they're going to trust him with. That's what I think. I think I think it's going to be one of those things where I think they're going to give him a lot, and I think that he is. I think the system that he played in the LSU, and Joe's probably going to disagree with me on this. I think his system, his wide receivers that he had, uh, the offense was tailor made for him with great, great weapons around him. I think that's why he was so good at LSU. And people can say all they want about, you know. Uh, LSU was, you know, one of the better teams in the country. I, he, there was a reason why he didn't work at Ohio State and why he transferred and things like that. That 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 well, dude's not going to be. I don't think he's going to be that good. Well, that's what that's what they talk about with Joe Brady. <laughs> with Joe Brady, what he did was the Burrow has always been good, but just one thing that they Joe Brady did that the other coaches weren't didn't do was trust him with the offense, which I think which which is uh, I think a really good point where it's kind of like if you by limiting what your quarterback can and can't do, mm-hmm. you're also limiting his potential at the same time. Cause you, you're thinking you, let's say for example, he takes a snap, he's supposed to throw to one guy and second option is this one. But all of a sudden the third option is, you know, I'm gonna give my shot for the third option. Cause both other guys are otherwise throw it away. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, I don't know. It really comes down to if they trust him or not. Cause I mean, <laughs> I so do you agree with, uh, and I asked Joe the same question. Joe, do you agree that Tua, uh, I think Trent Dilfer said Tua had a better arm than Dan Marino. Uh, no, see, I'm I'm not on the Tua wave. At, I'm not on the Tua like hate train on that aspect. I'm not. I'm on the Tua hate train because you you're given the option of two quarterbacks. You're given the option of a quarterback who's getting everything he can, like every literally every the top receivers, the number one um, play caller, a, re, a pretty good, a really good college coach. You give him a perfect situation. And there's many situations, there's many circumstances where you give a quarterback a situation and they tend to like, they'll fold, they'll like maybe one or two mistakes here or there. But he had a perfect season. Like he had a really, really, really great season. Yes, it's because he had all the tools well, around him. But, and also, and as opposed to someone like Tua, who um, he did have a really good situation around him. He had a really good coach and all that stuff. But the, the past three seasons, he was starting, oh, not three seasons, because he didn't start the first season. But the past two seasons, he never finished the season. So like, I'd rather take a risk on someone who's had the perfect situation and he succeeded with it as opposed to someone who 
he had a really good situation and he never finished the season of the past two seasons. Well, that's where they come into. That's what even people are talking about with Tua. It's kind of like one reason why. I mean, it's I don't think there's any wrong answer, to be completely honest. Whether you like Burrow or Tua, I don't think there's any wrong answer. But what people were talking about, too, is kind of like, at least I've seen, sure, he might not be able to finish the season. I see your point, Justin. That's a really good, important point. Even the hip injury thing, which kind of like, it was just the main reason why the hip injury happened is because he was trying to do a little too much. So he, he was getting tackled. He tried to take an extra step, and that caused the hip to mess up. But one thing people were talking about, with too, is that he's, at least I've seen him do it more than once. Sure, he might miss the end of the games, yeah, but when he's playing... Even gets even against get worse competition, he's amazing. Even against good competition, he's playing against Auburn. He's playing against his other SEC folks. Yeah, and that, that's why he's like, doing he's doing great too. Mm-hmm. And then see, that's why I like Tua. I think I like Tua because uh, although you know, again, his second year, uh, and he, yeah, he, he got banged up a little bit, but man, he came in that that game against Georgia, and the way he performed, and I just knew it. To me, it's something special. I, I just and I never saw, I saw Burrow play well. But I've also seen quarterbacks play just like that before. So I think to me, Tua to me was just really, really special. But um, I, I don't know. I think Tua to me, out over the out of the field, the, the, the Joe Burrows, the Herberts, um, the Jordan Loves, um, the Fromms, uh, my man Jalen Hurts, uh, I'm taking Tua all day. Okay. So I, I just wanted to be, I'm going to put this in like perspective for a second. Mm-hmm. So you give let's say Tua came in and he put up the exact same numbers like neck for neck and national championship undefeated season with Nick, Nick Saban is three receivers who are going to get drafted this year and everything like that. He succeeded in it and put the same exact number Joe Burrow did. Would you give uh, the knocks that you give on Joe Burrow right now? Would you give that same knocks to, um, well, to no, be, because the knocks I have for Joe Burrow at least is first of all, his age, we see a ceiling. It's really great. But we, we, once again, we don't see a ceiling against top tier talent. We've also seen his lows, which are really, 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 really low. And like the age and how often, I, I, I do think it is something to one season wonders. Like sure, um, Burrow has played two years at uh, LSU, but his last season before was very, very like, oh, okay, fourth rounder. All of a sudden he turns into a number one pick. It's kind of like, I, I guess it, it turns into like a whole thing of like, do you take the guy who you know has been putting up numbers and getting his getting his for two years, or the guy who did amazing, put one of the best seasons ever for one year? You know what I mean? It, once at that point, it comes to preference. That's why I think there's no wrong answer. Yeah, I don't think there's a wrong answer per se. I think it's an aspect of you you have you have a player who you you know for sure if you put him or not for sure you know. For, yeah, you know, you're really convinced if you put him in a with Joe Burrow, you have a player. If you put him in a really good situation, he's going to perform really, really well. You have a player that you're not 100 percent sure he's going to be able to be put in that really good situation. So that, I think I'm not saying Tua. I, I definitely think Tua has a higher ceiling. If they're both coming out 100 percent healthy, like if they're both coming out 100 percent healthy, I would pick Tua. But the, I think Tua's injury risk outweighs uh, okay the okay. failure of uh, Joe Burrow. That's I why I put Joe. Burrow, that's why I put Joe Burrow ahead of Tua because I'm scared. Of injury more than more so I'm scared of uh, Joe Burrow's experience. Well, I guess, I guess that's one reason why people prefer some people prefer two over Burrow is because, like, you can if you just ignore who he's throwing to, if you just know who he's throwing to and uh, who's protecting him, you just pay attention to his throwing motion, his processing speed, his decision making, and how that ball gets to that person. You you just pay attention to that because I never really see 
even the two highlights, I never really see a a pass to a throws where like Jerry Judy is like like making an amazing catch. You know what I mean? Like sure he gets open. I, see, that's some I just think to me, like people act like like Joe Burrow didn't play the year before last year. Like he played when he was LSU, you know, two years ago. And he was good, but again, he wasn't wow. You know, I think LSU just had they were loaded this year, just like Alabama has been yeah, loaded every yeah. other year. I just think that in my opinion, that Joe Burrow has this um I think that game is Clemson. Uh, to me, Clemson K. It was a, it was an NFL pro style type defense that he would be facing every week in the NFL, and it took him a long time to kind of get get comfortable. I think they 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 kept him uncomfortable the whole game, and I just don't I don't see. I think again I, I don't I honestly and I'm I'm going on a limb. I think Burrow will be a bus. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm telling you, that. I think he gonna be a bus, man. Well, I, I see I see your point and and what he can do, but. I think it does come down to like when it comes to a player who who which players is going to need a system like like, for example, how I think about like this, Deshaun Watson, I feel like can play in just about any system. Right. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, a Lamar Jackson can only play in one or two systems. You, you can't put him in. You can't put him in just any other position and then, I mean, any other uh, system and then expect him to put up the same numbers he did this season. I think the same goes with Burrow and Tua. I feel like with Tua, you could probably put him in more in, 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 so, in so many different systems, he can adapt very well. Not saying Burrow can't, but I do think it really, when it comes to Burrow, you really have to pay attention to who's throwing to, who's protecting him, who's calling the plays, who's doing what kind of plays are you calling, how far are you going deep, how, but so on, so on, how often you're running, this and that. Meanwhile, too, I just feel like he his decision-making, all that stuff is so good. Like, if the Raiders draft him, he can do well there. If the Chiefs draft him, he can do well there. If the Ravens draft him, he can do okay, well there. Okay, well, let me mean? ask y'all this thing. So you're telling me that Joe Burrow is going to come into the NFL. All right. And I'm not even saying come in. I'm saying his first two, three years. And he's going to be head and shoulders above Andy Dalton. Because the weapons that he's going to have around him, the A.J. Greens of the world, I think he's still, he's coming back. And he'll be healthy. Um, Joe Mixon at running back. I think he had John Ross as other receiver. But what weapons or what – why would – Joe Burrow make all the difference to a Cincinnati team that's been horrible for the last 10 years anyway. There's nothing that they're going to have in place for Joe Burrow, and I don't see them building anything for Joe Burrow for him to be successful. Where he's gonna, I think he's going to be a top tier or even – I think they're going to finish last in that division. He's going to be horrible. Um, and not because just because it's Joe Burrow. I think it's just because it's Cincinnati. And I think he's going to be terrible. I think that he's going to be one of those guys who – they're gonna they're gonna get him killed. He's gonna get he's gonna get uh, Joe Burrow's not gonna be good to me. I don't I don't think he's gonna be good. Um two things. First, um Joe, yeah, you're right. Joe Burrow had a year a year before his Johnson Championship this past year. Mm-hmm. He had all 2018 and uh like he didn't stand out like he he didn't definitely didn't stand out at all like he did this year at all. He went the team went ten and three. So like the team wasn't bad at all. Mm-hmm. The, and some context to that, he came in, he he was a transfer in, so he had all he had was spring practice to learn the system, and he started that first game. So that he had just a spring practice to learn that system, and he started the first game. And then halfway through that first game, like I think it was November, like early November, that's when they got a new offensive coordinator. They got Joe Brady. That's when they hired Joe Brady, and then that's when he started. He had to learn a whole new system. And even then, they still went ten and three. And well, then the next season, that's when they added uh, what we call it. That's when the season, like he had a full year with the whole team, and they went to the whole undefeated season. Well, I guess that also. 
in the fact where it's like, oh, for Joe Brady to be successful, he needs a guy who has coached in probably one of the under one of the best coaches of all time, Sean Payton, mm-hmm. and one of the most offensive, one of the greatest offensive minds. So it's like I guess this is what it takes. Meanwhile, name Alabama's offensive coordinator. And I don't. I know for a fact Dick Saban was not calling offensive plays. Not. No, we had my, no, not last year. Um, no, I mean, I just, I, I think that. Well, this is my opinion. I think Alabama players come in a lot more NFL ready, mm-hmm. and I think that uh, and Nick Saban practices kind of has that NFL pro culture at at, at um at Alabama, and I, I, I me personally, it's not that I don't know J, um Joe Burrow personally. I just think he's a little cocky to me, which is supposed to be a little cocky when you're a quarterback in the NFL. I think he's a little cocky. I think he's gonna kind of come in with this this chip on his shoulder and like, oh, you know, I'm the man. Um, kind of like the the man from my man from Cleveland, and then he's gonna have that same little attitude. I just don't think it, it's. I don't think he's gonna be successful, man. I think I don't know, man. It's it's gonna be it's tough to do. I mean, let, let's be honest. I, let's be honest. If either or, like I say, if you can't get two and you get Joe, or you get Joe, and you can't get Tua. Like you ain't you happy either way. You know what I mean? Like I don't think it's to the point where the Bengals are like we have absolutely have to take Joe over Tua. Like I still think the main reason why Tua isn't in the contention for number one is because of injury history, right. and they can't do anything. That's what yeah. I also think. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to address is that like I don't both the talent like Tua would be if he was one hundred percent healthy. There's no Joe doesn't stand out to me as in like a Trevor Lawrence or Andrew Luck or like a person that's going to come out and like oh yeah for sure like that, that when you plug him in there they're going to be said that's a third guy in that position for sure. I just think for the Bengals, since they're picking a quarterback, the safest pick between Burrow, who who can let you know for sure, like the only doubt he has is if he's probably in the wrong mm-hmm. system, mm-hmm. and between Tua, who we're not sure, like well, I guess we are sure now that he can play under, like he can play Week One. I think the safest pick pick for the Bengals would be Joe, because well, if, if they if he if he comes out to, and goes to a different team and does good. Uh, you're gonna face back like a lot more backlash yeah, if Tua fired comes out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, and if, is, Tua, if Tua comes out and plays really, really good for a different team, you're gonna be like, "Well, that's, it's obviously why it's obvious yeah. why we chose Joe Burrow." This yeah. this is a perfect example of just potential. Like, yeah, this is perfect. Like, we we do the fact that we know more about Tua than we do Joe is one reason why Joe's ahead. Mm-hmm. And the same thing, but shit, the same shit happened with Mitch. I'm not saying Joe's gonna be Mitch Trubisky, but same thing happened with Mitch Trubisky, Deshaun Watson. I can understand them not taking Patrick Mahomes, but when Deshaun Watson was there, went to two national championships, is one of the best quarterbacks in the in in the country, and they think like, well, this guy who's played who went six and three, <laughs> six and three at UNC, and couldn't beat out. Um, the quarterback from last year. Um, I don't see what this kid got. Let me trade up to get this kid. Meanwhile, Deshaun Watson was just chilling there. You know what I mean? I, I, that's my whole point with it. it. It all comes down to what you can and what what we think you can be. I guess the the shroud. That's the same reason why Jordan Love is probably gonna go in the first round because we don't really know what he is. We we saw his one really good season. <laughs> now it's like yeah, then he had another season I like was terrible. Jordan Love, by the way. I don't know about that. I don't know what Jordan Love. Even Justin Herbert Justin had a great All season. Right, check this, and then we can move on because I, I just want to ask you one quick question. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, I like Tua. I think he's the best quarterback coming out. Um, Jalen Hurts. Sorry, no. That's that's tough to answer. No, nah, is it's, 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 is he going to be sorry or no? He looked really good at the combine. He looked really good. Joe, uh, he's. He's not get, like he'll start. He he won't start upcoming season at all for sure. 
he's going to be either he's going to switch position. He's going to give in and switch positions really fast, uh, while he's in the league, or no. he's going to be a long term backup. But I don't see him be, being like, yeah, I think he's going to be sorry. If that's bad. If but I can yeah. choose one between being a really good starter, solid starter, or sorry, he's he's going to be starter. Like, I can totally see him being like a bridge quarterback. Like we have Jalen Hurts, we'll be fine for now. So you can't see him being like a, a Tyrod Taylor. Hmm. I think you'll get a chance like Tyrod does. Like Tyrod has gotten chances. And I don't want to compare him to another black quarterback. That's yeah, neither do I. But I guess what's that dude from the Saints? Taysom Hill. Taysom's <laughs> a lot better than Taysom Hill. I'll tell you that much. People saying like Taysom Hill can be a franchise quarterback <laughs> through one pass that was underthrown. He can be a franchise quarterback. I mm-hmm. I think I think it's unfair if people go like if you if you come out and say like you think. You think Jalen Hurts is gonna be bad in the NFL because of his accuracy, and then he comes out. He come out. He comes out, and he does really, really. He throws really, really good accurate in the NFL. And if people want to change the positions, change their decisions because of that reason. Because he comes out and ends up being a really good accurate passer. Like you can't blame us for thinking he was gonna be a, a, a well, that's accurate what, passer. That's what you know, Lamar Jackson had the same knock on him that he wasn't didn't have any accuracy. And look how much he improved on his accuracy from yeah. year one to year two. And I, well, so my thing is, is I thought that. I, th- I think to me over the years that the NFL has become a uh, it's become where we don't even develop players anymore. Like if you're not if you don't have the tools when you get to the job. Oh, well, too bad. You're not you're not doing my roof. When back in the day, we used to be able to say, hey, you're going to be a roofer. But for you know the first year, you're going to carry shingles to the, to the, to the site mm-hmm. and you're going to learn all these tools. You're going to learn how to work in the heat and then you're going to be you know, you're on top of the roof and do some work. But I think that's the problem now is that. I think a guy like Jalen Hurts, especially the way that the league is going, you could probably you should draft him and you should really build him, especially if you're in that division over there with Lamar. Well, no, okay. One last thing before we go, I'm gonna say my part. It's just Jalen Hurts, the, the smart draft people. The thing they have with Jalen Hurts is he he's one read and go. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously that's offense he's running in. So you have one reason there, you're running or you're dumping it off to the running back. So his decision making because of his decision making decision making isn't the best. Like I, I could totally see if he's in a situation kind of like kind of like how Dak Prescott was. I know I created another black quarterback, but Dak Prescott was. We're just like Dak Prescott was amazing in college. He was really good, mm-hmm. but the main reason he got an opportunity to even start was because an older guy got hurt. I, that's all I honestly think it can happen with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and I think that's the I think that's literally the fairest comparison is because like Lamar wasn't a good like when you said the Lamar analogy like. You give them that, like, you don't fit our criteria, so that's it. Get out. Like, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't apply to in Jalen Hurts in this yeah. aspect because... I love Justin like, Herbert. <laughs> Lamar, when Lamar came out, his his thing, like, people who didn't watch him at all, they came out and said, like, his accuracy lacks. That's not what his problem was. The problem was everyone thought he didn't want to stay in the pocket for too long. He was he was really looking to run. And that was a knock on him. And I, I guess, like, they didn't give him a chance. Like, the reason he had to run, he ran because he had to run. But, like, if, if an accuracy issue... It was the same thing with Dak Prescott. Like it was an accuracy issue coming out of college. Like an accuracy issue is something like it's really hard to improve your accuracy like this late in your like late in your quarterback process. Like that's the thing. If his if his problem was uh, he wouldn't stay in the pocket for too long, then I guess I, I could see uh, I'd, I'd have more faith in him. But his accuracy yeah. isn't that. His problem is accuracy. That's the problem. And just compare just compare how they talk about Jalen Hurts and like compare Justin Justin Herbert. I mean like technically Jalen Hurts has as many touchdowns as many yards as Justin Herbert, but one thing, one way, I don't, one reason I don't like Justin Herbert, he's fit in that mold of just like, he's a, every time people talk about, why do you like Justin Herbert? He's tall, physical, <laughs> and he can throw the ball really far. I'm like, okay, what else? Like, every time I watch his highlights, he never throws a person open. I always think that's a big thing. Like, he never, like, he's never anticipating the route. It's always like the route's breaking, and then he throws it. 
No, I mean, that's just, and I, I, that's just a small, minute detail, but that's one thing that kind of annoys me is about like, you have to, so you don't even really know if it's going to be open or not. Or like, a lot of his passes were to a wide open person or a person where it's just like, it's always late. Like, you always see him like looking around, staring at a guy, then he looks over one, oh, the guy's open. And he throws it down there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we'll see. I just, I'm putting my, my, my boat, my, my money's on, uh, on tour. And I know everyone's going to think I'm crazy, but I think, uh, her, I think uh, Bird's going to be a bust. Anyway, uh, he would definitely he'll have a small running game. I think Joe Mixon's going to be his running back. And uh, speaking of running backs, I want to touch on something I saw the other day. Um, I was perusing the internet, and I came across this uh, two thousand yard rushers uh, over the, over the course of the NFL uh, history. Uh, of course, OJ has. Uh, I'm sorry, Eric Dickerson has the most yards in the season with twenty one oh five. He has a record and. Um. I think uh, there's a few other running backs who have hit 2,000. OJ, Barry, Terrell, Terrell Davis, <laughs> Chris Johnson, Adrian Peterson, um, uh, Jamal Lewis. So I had a question that I want to go ahead and pose to you guys, which was out of those 2,000-yard seasons, who had the most impressive 2,000-yard season? Well, that's... And let me give the list one more time. OJ, okay. well, Eric Dickerson, OJ, Barry Sanders, Terrell Davis, Jamal Lewis, Chris Johnson, Agent Peterson. Okay, so this was a tough one for me because I think the two, you, I don't like to Jamal Lewis. I guess the fact that you can do people that you don't really heard of, or I had that only had that one good season. I would think like Jamal Lewis was a he's a pretty good Jamal Lewis or Chris Johnson that one really good season. But my two top two, which I'm kind of like debating against, is Barry Sanders. Be for one because he's on the Lions in '97. And who knows? And two, the fact that Barry Sanders had 96 negative rushing yards that season. Mm. 96. So he he would have easily broke. Those 96 yards, those, those were negative. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if he was even able to just stay at the line or possibly, you know, get a yard of that, that's right there. He would have broke Eric Dickerson's record. And my second one is Adrian Peterson because he's what? He was like, what? Five yards short, four, no, excuse me, six yards short from breaking the record of any anything and he just come out came off of a uh acl mcl sprain so i mean then i get broke both good point um and this is uh, keep in mind too this was like the season that like derrick rose towards acl up and people the people were like oh, i don't know if they, this acl thing i don't know and, Derek, and then all of a sudden this like broke both of them came back more for 2097 yards yeah adrian was a freak um i mean he he he, he whipped that that season together um, I, I wanted to know, like, because I know the other day when I was thinking about this, I saw Adrian and Barry. Yeah, those were two most impressive ones with them, um, with, to me. But then, like, I, when I was going through all of them, I saw Terrell Davis on there, and I was like, that's the same team with like Elway and then Sharp and them, like, and mm-hmm. they're giving the ball to this dude because they trust this dude enough to get 2,000 yards, and they also won the Super Bowl that year. Off yeah, his well, back, that, that line, and, and you know what? First of all, that line was awesome, and then two, that was like the first. With that zone blocking scheme that Shanahan had, that it, it, I don't nobody could nobody could keep up with it whatsoever. Um, a, AP, like I said, he he really whipped that season together. I, I think he he beat the hell out of that season. But anyway, he um, no, it was just a bad jokes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, AP was was a, he was a beast that season. Um, and that, the thing about AP was everybody knew he was getting the ball, and nobody could stop him. But I have a different take. Uh, although Eric Dickerson is probably 
the sweetest running back I'd ever seen run the ball, maybe behind Barry. Because Barry is more of a juker, but AED was just, just sweet. Um, OJ, man. <laughs> Again, I know I didn't, I've never even seen OJ run. I know his name is probably like mud to be bringing up on a podcast. I might, I might get banned or something. But <laughs> uh, and if you haven't checked the OJ's pod, uh, tweet Twitter, please like do yourself a favor and go ahead and subscribe and enjoy that Twitter world. Um, he OJ only did it in fourteen games. Uh, he ran for two thousand. He did it in fourteen games. Uh, he did it back in the day when. I think the Bills were sorry and everybody like like Adrian Peterson, everybody knew he was getting the ball. And then um Chris Johnson, um, although not having a good two weeks <laughs> these past two weeks, but uh Chris Johnson, people forget, man, he had um he had a great season that year when he when he ran for two thousand. The thing about Chris Johnson's season was that he had eleven straight games for hundred yards or more. Eleven straight. Um, and, and every time he touched and his, his runs were 40, 50, 60, like he was just, just, oh, it, it was electric seeing him, you know, run the football. So, um, I, I go OJ and Chris Johnson. Well, okay. Here's my thing with OJ though. Like the man was just a pure runner, which is fine. Like run the ball. I mean, what was the average? I mean, uh, 14 games, 143 yards per game, six yards a carry. Six yards a game. That's really good. How many carries a game? Uh, I don't know. I looked it up. Well, because my whole thing was like, as I, I'm looking up the OJ too. The man, sure he had he rushed for two thousand three yards, but yeah, total yards was only two thousand seventy three. That means he only had seventy other yards all purpose. Meanwhile, Barry Sanders was at like damn near 2,300 2, total yards. And Adrian Pearson was at a twenty three fourteen. So I, I I do you have that's a good point. OJ Simpson's 14 games, uh, 2,000 yards. Great. Awesome. You know, but I also do think, I don't know, man. I just think that uh, Adrian Pearson's season's, Adrian Pearson's season was uh, something different just because of the way the league was already turning to it. That team was, that whole team was terrible. The whole team was terrible. And, um, and 332 rushes. 332 rushes. He averaged six yards of carry. Damn, six hundred carry. That's <laughs> really, and That's not really to good. mention, and then two years later, he, he ran for eighteen seventeen, one thousand eight hundred seventeen yards, averaging five okay, yeah. and a half yards a carry. That's why. <laughs> That's another thing too, because that's why fourteen games. That's another thing too. That's why I do want to keep in mind that you want to keep in mind that um, the next season after, mm-hmm. or the, the season before, like was obviously came out of nowhere for Adrian Pearson, but the next season after Adrian Pearson did, they only rushed for twelve hundred yards, which is really good. Mm-hmm. And seeing the Barry Sanders, same thing. Barry Sanders had twelve hundred the year, year before too. So that's why I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think that, I'm, I'm that, looking at MC, where the point is, know, is that they ran for two thousand and it took them sixteen games to do it. OJ ran for two thousand and fourteen games, and then again he ran for eighteen hundred yards in fourteen games. So he probably OJ probably would have had if he'd played sixteen games. One, he would probably have the most rushing yards in the season ever. Two, he probably would have two two thousand yard seasons uh, if he had played sixteen games. Not to mention, there was one year where he ran for fifteen hundred yards. So, you know, you're, you're, he's dancing with maybe three two thousand yard seasons. Like that's pretty, and that it really made me kind of go back and kind of do a deep dive into OJ. 
as far as like how you know how good of a running back was he. But his downfall is that he had like five straight thousand yard plus seasons, and then that was it. He had seasons before that, before his thousand yard season, he had a couple of seasons where he only ran for six seven hundred yards. And after his last 1500 yard season, he only had, he had seasons that ran for like 500, 500 and 400 yards. So truly his prime was between 72 and 76 for running the ball and fucking white women. So he definitely was, was at the top of his game uh, you know, when, when it comes to success, because you, you were the man running the football and you also was dating a lot of white women. So good for OJ. Yeah, that's a good point. I yeah. Mean, Adrian Pearson did like get most of his yards, like the last, Three games of the season, yeah, yeah. I got uh, I got um, OJ's the whole the starting roster for his team. I got starting rosters for all the um, the rushers on the list for you. Mm-hmm. And OJ had he only had one. He had two players that was uh, he had one player that was a Pro Bowl and another his one offensive lineman that was left tackle Dave Foley who was a Pro Bowler and his left guard Reggie McKenzie who was a first team All Pro. So, wow. Yeah. So that's OJ's team. Yeah, it's OJ's team. I got the rest of them right here. If you guys want to know any of them, I know. Well, like, how many? Did, how many did? Uh, what about uh, AP? Any Pro Bowlers? Uh, AP he had uh, the left tackle Matt Khalil. Uh, mm-hmm. He was a rookie that year, and he made Pro Bowl. Wow. Yeah. So the thing about he probably that, made Pro Bowl it, because Adrian Peterson. Right? <laughs> and then <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, yeah, Kyle, Kyle Rudolph as well. The tight end, he was very good. I guess. I just say to me after I did this, I saw like OJ moved up in my my greatest of all time running back list, and you know, of course, Jim Brown is my favorite. I never even saw Jim Brown play, but um, my See, dad just ingrained Jim Brown in my head. And I don't know who. I guess who did I ingrain in y'all head? That's a great running back. Mm. Reggie Bush is the first one I think of off top. Oh, That's I think college on top, off top. No one in the NFL. No one in the NFL, really. Your goat running backs in NFL. Mine? I guess Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Oh, that, that, that's easy. It's okay. It's Jim Brown, Walter Payton, and then uh, yeah, Barry Sanders. Those three, say, yeah. top three. Well, yeah. not, not in that order, but I think Barry Sanders is higher than Walter Payton, but those three, you know, those three. Yeah, I would go, I would do the same thing. Jim Brown, Sweetness, and then Barry. Well, actually, you know what? I, I'm sorry. I would probably say, I never seen Jim Brown play, but I did see Barry play. So in my lifetime, Barry's the GOAT to me. Okay. But I know for a fact how how great Jim Brown was. So I don't want to disrespect him, but that's true. So I think it's Barry and then there are some niggas. Also real quick too. <laughs> you talk about OJ Simpson only doing it in 14 games. Um, I just did the math. If you subtract the yards, obviously from agent Pearson's last up to week four, up to week 14. So mm-hmm. all the other games, you know, he's mm-hmm. still at like 1900 yards, like just under, <laughs> Yeah, which is why, which is why one thing's like 14 games. Yeah. How many but, rushes though? Uh, that's a good point. I probably See, run. I mean, that's no, the most I impressive think, thing that he averaged six yards a carry. That's a, that's what's well, so the that year. Uh, well, that's true. Okay, sixteen games. Though. Sixteen, oh, sixteen games, but still. <laughs> if anything, I think it's more impressive the longer you do it. Yeah, that you could. Well, that's that's my. I would go the opposite way. I think it's more impressive the shorter you do it. Okay. See, I, I'm 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 Team AP in this, but I I do got throw this in. <laughs> The name of uh, O.J. Simpson's quarterback was Joe Ferguson. He was a rookie. He threw for 939 yards the whole season, four <laughs> touchdowns, 10 interceptions, <laughs> and he rushed for 147 so yards. So O.J. was the whole offense, basically, <laughs> you're telling me. Basically, he got, that was a third-round quarterback. <laughs> okay, all right, then, hold on. <laughs> okay, that's really good. <laughs> Joe Ferguson. They could probably chill at home somewhere. 
Where is Joe Ferguson at? Let's try to get him on our podcast yeah, yeah. and interview him. And yeah, so, Joe, that. that season, uh, did OJ like it in the upper area of his chest or the lower area That's of his what chest? That's <laughs> Okay, all right. So, here's, in that case, then, here's, um, here's the uh, starters on offense for Agent Pearson season. Okay. How many yards? How many yards? Can I, let me, because... I gotta guess who his quarterback was. Uh, it wasn't. He had. Wasn't he had. Far. Two. It wasn't far. No, it wasn't. It was, he, had, uh, he had two, but the last, the second one, I think, he played like the last two games. Wait. So was it Webb? Was one of them? Yeah, Webb was one of them. He, okay. played, he played. I think he played the last, last game couple of games, yeah, right? And last then, like two or three. Because somebody, <sighs> I, I, you're gonna remember this too. <laughs> you're like you're gonna once you once I say the name, you're like, oh yeah, first round pick, baby, first, first round, round pick. pick. He was a first round pick, in 2011. Uh, who is it? It's Christian Ponder. Let me, read, let me read you off. Let me read you off Christian Ponder stats this year. Okay. This year? No, no excuse me. Not this that, year. That, uh, year? That, that year. He was 300 for 483 pass attempts and completions. So he completed 300 pass completions. Meanwhile, Agent Pierce rushed for 350, 348 times. Two, 2,900 uh, passing yards, 18 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. And 60 rushes for 203 yards and two touchdowns. Jesus. And this is the the leading receiver on the team was Percy Hardman with 62 catches, 677 yards. I know his, he probably had 62 angry catches too. Angry catches. Because <laughs> he probably, I remember, I remember now Christian Ponder, I remember that draft too. It was, and that was, wasn't that like the cam draft? That I was think? the cam draft. I mean, people yeah. thought like, this, is remember, good, this is a really good uh, quarterback draft. Only one of them was, only two of them were good. was Danny Dolan and <laughs> no, Kenny. because I, I said the same thing. I, I remember um, Christian Ponder going, I was like, he's not going to be good. And I, I remember, I think Jake Locker went in that draft too. Here's the quarterback. Here's a quarterback. Pac-12 quarterback. Guy, so I was like, Pac-12 dude went, and I was like, oh, Jake Locker. Ah, but he's not that good though. Okay. Here's the uh, <laughs> here's the the yeah the three quarterbacks in that draft were Cam, mm-hmm. uh, in this first round, Cam, Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert, and okay, Christian yeah, Ponder. Blaine, yeah, Blaine went to Christian good. Ponder. Christian Ponder. No, no, just just for a laugh, pull wait, up wait, that wait, pull up that mock draft that you got for that for that same draft. I'm gonna do that, but real quick too. Let me show you who came. Who, here's the quarterbacks in the second round. Okay, mm-hmm. in the same draft. Second round was Andy Dalton. Well, I, I wouldn't call it bus. Colin Kaepernick and Colin Kaepernick. Andy Dalton and Colin Kaepernick. Okay, so you know what? This is a great segue, and I'm not trying to say, I don't want to, that's not a segue. Let's put a pin in where I'm talking about because you brought up Colin Kaepernick, and I think this it's only right for our audience to know that we saw Colin Kaepernick play in college when he was with Nevada, remember? Yeah, yeah, and we were, New Mexico we were, State. New Mexico State. And I think it's only right because I'll, I'll I'll go last, but you guys need to remember. I would like for you guys to go ahead and say what you remember leaving that game about Colin Kaepernick. I just remember saying, first of all, I was like, oh, this. I think this was like maybe our like third game we went to when we lived in uh, near New Mexico State. It was like our third game actually seeing him to play Nevada. I didn't know anything about the team. Mm-hmm. But I just remember we were bad, and I was like, okay, I'll go watch Nevada play whatever it was. I just remember Colin Kaepernick running. Like, like, not really, kind of like you know, zoning in and out of the game, like paying attention. Oh, lots of, lots of deep run, that's a far pass, and like him ending <laughs> the game with like three hundred passing yards, like one hundred and fifty rushing yards, and like four, five touchdowns. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was, like, I was, I was so crazy. Man. Like, I remember you told me too, Dad. You you told me that man's been playing in the NFL one day. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, sure. Like Nevada quarterback, yeah, okay. Joe, no, yeah, I, I remember him. I remember, I think he had like two rushing touchdowns. I remember him breaking like a big ass, a big ass run against uh, our our defense, which wasn't surprising, but it just it just the 
when you look on the field, like you're, not, you're never surprised when a big run happens on New Mexico State. <laughs> but then when you see a long ass stride like Colin Kaepernick, you're like, oh, okay, that, that, that's a, that's a nigga. Yeah, right it was, there. That's the one thing too. I remember too. He had a funky throwing motion. <laughs> like he looked like he was throwing like a sidearm baseball sometimes. Like not until they stand like Philip Rivers, but he would like wind up and like he'll stop halfway, and then there's so much force getting thrown in, and he just <laughs> launched that bitch. I was like, God damn. Well, I, I remember that too because our t- we you know it's New Mexico State people, so. Uh, uh, great seats wasn't a problem getting at those <laughs> college football games. So right. we sat like third or fourth row from the visitors bench. And I remember him on the sideline. And I just remember him one being like a lot taller than a lot of the guys are on the sideline with him. And then two on the field, it looked like a man amongst boys. Like he was just the dude just did whatever he wanted to do. Whenever they needed a play, whenever they needed a pass, whenever they needed a run, he was he was responsible for it. So I just remember him being like, wow, like he was one of those people like, who is that? And I yeah. know when you see people like that, most of the people and us being, you know, going to a lot of New Mexico State games, most of the guys that we saw that were like, wow, those guys ended up going to the, to the NFL. Yeah. And that's and that's the thing about it, too, is I think um, <laughs> like when I saw Aaron Jones play against. MSU is at UTEP? That man was something else. Yeah. But speaking of, that's another thing too. One thing I like, this is a bit of a side note, but kind of same thing about the uh, drafts is I love looking up old mock drafts. Okay. So like, so I was looking up, like, you know, like 2012. Like, of course, yeah. Andrew Luck. But like sometimes, this 2011 was very special to me because how, like how far off they got. I just, so this is a um, Bleacher Report mock draft. Okay. Okay. So obviously there were some trades in the real draft, but ultimately you can kind of get a grasp of like where they had, where he, this guy viewed some of the players they had. Mm-hmm. So in 2011 draft, obviously Cam went number one. Of course. This guy had, I don't know. <laughs> also keep in mind too, what was his career? What was his thing? This was made February of 2011. So this was just like, you know, just after the football season. It's college kinda, football season just ended. Yep. College football season just ended. So everybody's uh, fresh in his head. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind that for number one overall to the Carolina Panthers, he has Nick Fairley going. To the number one overall, first of all, which is funny to think no, that. Like, no, wait, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. He had him going over Cam. Get over Cam. See, this is one. This is my point. There's only <laughs> two good players on the Auburn team. And they won the national championship, and he goes with a defensive tackle. <laughs> all right, and let me, I'm just reading you a little line from his little reasoning as why this. Nick Fairley is the most disruptive defensive force in the country. The six-five, three hundred pounder has an incredible quickness, strength, and power off the snap. He can find his way into the opposing backfield before the quarterback even realizes his presence. <sighs> it also is Clemson's Daquan Bowers is also a possibility of defense end position, but I like Nick Philly more at number one. He says the wow. Panthers also may consider Bowers, LSU defensive back Patrick Peterson, and Georgia wide receiver AJ Green. He doesn't have Cam in the in the in the they might be looking at Cam. <laughs> and keep in mind, this is like the season. Who was that guy? Um the quarterback they had, the white dude from uh, Notre Dame. Um Jimmy Jimmy Clausen. Oh, Jimmy Clausen, yeah. Jimmy Clausen had the one of the worst seasons ever. <laughs> and they think like, ah, they're gonna need a defensive tackle here. I just looked it up. Nick Fray's not even in the league anymore. <laughs> He's not. <laughs> and yeah, because I remember he got drafted to the Lions. And I was like, oh, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good pickup. It's a pretty good pickup. I think that was right before um right before they got uh uh right after they got the Dolphin Sue. I'm like, I think Dolphin Sue Nick Fray, that sounds like a good combo, whatever it was, didn't didn't work out. Damn. Here's number number two in the real life draft. Number two was I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you guys a top five, that's all. But number two. Number Denver Broncos took Von Miller, Super Bowl MVP, sack leader, 
couple of times. He's he's one of the best pass rushers of all time. That, that's who they actually took, right? That's who they actually, that's took. Who they, that's who they actually took. They actually took mm-hmm. uh, Von Miller from Texas A&M. One of the best pass rushers of all time. I'm like, yeah. okay. Number two here, they have Patrick Peterson, LSU going number two. I'm like, okay, Patrick Peterson isn't terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I'm, I'm going to go straight to number three. Number three, they have Marcel Darius. Buffalo Bills. That's who the Buffalo Bills actually took. Still, still no Cam, right? Still no Cam. Still no Cam. Or Von Miller, for that fact. AJ Green went fourth. Who they have? Who they have is fourth. Fourth. He had AJ Green. Okay, they get, get that one right. All right, and then Julio went six. Julio See, my thing was like I really need to go back and do a deep dive. So they actually thought that Julio was the second best wide receiver coming out of the draft that year. Well, I think it was more like one A one B. Okay, I don't think there was a more. I think it was more like really preference that point, if I remember correctly. Like who's gonna go? Who's gonna go where? Who's gonna go where? I'm. I'm. Also, I'm. I'm. I'm scrolling down this list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't seen Cam go yet for one, and I haven't seen Julio Jones go yet. Oh, here we go. Number twelve, Minnesota Vikings, Cam Newton. <laughs> twelve. Number twelve. Who I think. Who did they take at number 12, actually? Was but you know what, Christian Ponder. All right. And this, I, know, I know I'm about to get a lot of hate. And I know one person in particular is probably going to send me some really, really bad, bad text messages. <sighs> Y'all might hate me, too. Was Cam really that good? Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, yes, that dad. Okay. For, I'm not, to, not even to address that point. They have Locker and Blaine Gabbert going ahead of him in this job. Uh, after, right. after he came off of, uh, his, his championship undefeated season. So there's no excuse. You have no excuses. I, I, I understand why he was drafted number one. I understand why he would have been a lottery pick. But I'm asking a simple question. If you look at Cam's career, was Cam really that good? He was, he was, I wouldn't say, I would, I would say that one MVP year, let's exclude that. I would say he was diff. He was never like a top three. Top, you never. Uh, and I never thought he was top three. I never thought he was top three, but he was, he was like a good, like, let, let's say for example, if, the if you're a team that got Cam Newton, you're you're set at the QB position for the next like nine, eight, nine years. You know what I mean? Like you ain't fixing for like I need to fix this now. Really? Yeah, I really think so. I, I really I really think Cam can get you enough. Cause man, think about that rookie season, Dad. This is first of all, this is after the lockout, the season. The twenty nineteen. I, I, like, I like Cam. He it's, that's my guy. But because like I, I think I, I gotta keep reason- it one hundred and I gotta ask, like, you know, besides having a nice smile and wearing some goofy clothes. <laughs> Okay. See, my, my main thing is it's context with everything. So, like, literally, you have the, the other options you have are Jimmy Claus, not Jimmy Claus, I'm sorry, Blaine Gabbert, Jake Locker, and Cam Newton. So, in comparison, you have in this mock draft, there's no reason for you to not take Cam number one. And, like, I guess context is everything. So, you're like, okay, he wasn't that good when you look back on it. But, like, mm-hmm. when you look back on it, your other options you have, he was the best one out of all the options and, and he had the perfect resume. And keep in mind, no, I'm also thinking keep, though, keep in mind too, the next, after they take Cam Newton, who else are the, who else, what are the quarterbacks available at that point? But in 2012, uh, they still got Luke Keekley. Okay. Like they, 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 sure, they could have had Russell Wilson. But that, exactly what I'm saying. Like you, look at, you look at, you look at, you look at it where you can say, do we throw all of our eggs in this basket, the Cam Newton basket, because he's going to change our franchise. Or do we just maybe trade back and pick up two or three, you know, draft picks and go with someone else? Because I, I and the reason why I bring it up is because I'm going to revert back to what we're talking about with with Joe Burrow. Because I'm like Trevor Lawrence is coming out next year, so would you take a chance if you're Cincinnati and say, you know what, let's just trade back and let's just tank next year 
and go after Trevor Lawrence. Well, I think you're also saying, I, I, I get what you mean there. See, this is my philosophy of team building. I'm more of a team. If I'm building a team, I'm more like the last position I want right now. The last position I want to fill is a quarterback position. I want to get everything else. I want to do like the 49ers. I agree. Did. I want to do what the 49ers did. I'm going to get a, I'm going to draft a bunch of D linemen. I'm going to draft, draft really well. Um, my offense isn't the best, but I got a good D line. I got a great offensive line. I agree. And a good, and I'm just going to run the fuck out of the ball until I can get a quarterback that can transcend all that. I, Cause I think, and I think the thing is though, if, if you have everything else, I think you can always kind of, I don't want to say fill in the blanks with a quarterback because that's, you know, eventually you're going to need one. I mean, Pat Mahomes kind of proves that, but if you, you can probably, you can get away with an okay quarterback. That's, a, that's my whole point. And side note too, I'm looking at these Cam Newton stats. You might be on something dead. Besides the 215 year, <laughs> that man throws a lot of interceptions. <laughs> I, I okay. know Joe's probably gonna hate us with this, but <laughs> it's it's not it's not that I hate you because I, I see you're like the way you're connecting the two of Burrow and then then Cam Newton that made total sense. But when you look at the like let me the starting quarterback for the Panthers the year before they drafted again was Jimmy Clausen and the rest the rest of their offenses had they had Steve Smith, uh Jonathan Stewart, D'Angelo Williams, yeah. uh uh I guess David Geddes. Their whole friend, thing was Ron Rivera was a defensive coach. It was like I'm trying to build defense for sure. And they had they had uh pro that two Pro Bowl. Offense lineman, and the only the 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 only person that that, that lacked really really bad in that offense was Jimmy Clausen because he had three touchdowns and nine interceptions <laughs> back at started ten games. So like, when you look at the team and you go into oh the draft, God. you're like, and they had two they had two um they had a that John Beeson on defense. He was a, a Pro Bowler that year too. So it's like when you go, when you go into that draft, you're looking like, what did we severely slack in? And you're going to look at it and you're like, okay, we really need a quarterback. Well, we have this quarterback right here who just led and, his team an undefeated season. So, like, I'm going to fill and that's that the hole. Thing. And that's the thing, too. It's in, in the context of the draft, number one pick, this guy had a defensive tackle, which I think is the last thing you should do with the number one pick. But it's it does come down to, for the number one pick, you all think about value. It's, you can understand them taking, like, hindsight 2020, obviously, but, you know, okay, A.J. Green or um, Julio Jones. Okay, those guys, look at how they are now. Okay. Number one pick, I can totally see that, but then you realize, then I bet that what they, that's what they kept thinking about. Like, oh, I love, I really love AJ Green. Oh, I really love Julio Jones. But it's like, can Jimmy Clausen throw with the ball? No. Julio Jones and AJ Green. It's like, do we we rather take our risk with Cam Newton? Oh, I, I definitely know why they they took him. I, I I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, in retrospect, when you look at Cam's career, hmm. I, I, I don't oh, think it was not, I think not a it, Hall of Famer. No, it's definitely not a Hall of Famer, but I think it wasn't bad. Like I I, I, I do think no, I, I do I don't see Could you have done better? Uh, I'm, with, I'm not saying with, that year. I'm saying if you were thinking like say year three. Okay. Well, like his, contract, so like, that's like 2014, 2015, I think. I think he, he balled out his contract year. So let's go with the 2015 was his was his MVP year, right? Yeah, 2015 was his MVP year. So I'm okay, going to so pull up I'm the I'm saying two. 2013, maybe 14, do you say to yourself, hmm, what could we get? Could we get another quarterback for for, for Cam Newton? Okay, well, here's, here's my thing, though. Okay, so let's say, once again, back to what Joseph was saying, what's, what, what else is available? So we, we go with your year right here, the 2014 draft. This is the 2014 draft before the 2014 season, about two seasons before it's MVP mm-hmm. year. Here are the quarterbacks taking that draft. Blake Bortles, uh, Johnny Manziel, and Teddy Bridgewater. 
do you feel confident enough that any of those guys can do better than Cam Newton? Because you're thinking about because you're thinking about replacing him. You're thinking about somebody who can do better than Cam Newton. Whatever he's given you now, which at this which at this point in his career, 2014, he was uh, 2013. Y'all just went 12 and four. True, and so. Or let's say you want to go to the next year, right before his contract year. Like, ah, we're not, you know, we had a good season in 2014, a pretty bad season in 2013, 2014 was a pretty bad season. All right. So what's the 2015 draft? These are the quarterbacks taking the 2015 draft. James Winston, Marcus Mariota. And then and see, that's I'm it. not even saying 2015. I'm not even saying because they went what? 15, he went 15 and one as MVP year, right? Yeah. And then he went six and eight the next year. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then he went 11 and five and then he went six and eight. Uh-huh. Okay. Now this year he got hurt. Of course he didn't play, but I'm thinking after last year, the 2018 season, are you not telling yourself, Hey, you know what? We need to go ahead and just, and just bail on this, this Cam Newton guy. I mean, to, to be fair, that's what they did, but I had to take an injury to do it. Yeah. And even before, or, his, even before his injury, uh, everyone was talking about, before his injury, he, put, he was put up really good numbers. Like, okay, he was on pace to have another like MVP like year. Like he was having a really really good year before his injury. So it, it was like it, it just because it just come down to even his yards per attempt was still like a good seven eight yards, which is really good. But but the amount the only thing the disturbing thing is the amount of interceptions in it. Maybe you can also argue that could be the division as well. Besides the Buccaneers, he's playing with the Saints and the um, Falcons every year. Well, and around this time too is when the Falcons really started getting good. Yeah, you're right. Same you're thing. Right. And the Saints have always been really good, so you can you can argue that. But I don't know. I I I, 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 just I, I see your that, point. He, he just wasn't that good to me. I see your point. You, I, I do see your point, but I do think considering the situation they were in, and considering who they drafted with the picks they did have when they did have them, who are still on the team, are really good players now. I, I think they're fine. They're cool with it. You know what I mean? Like, okay, so now we're all we're really missing here is a quarterback. And uh, he was just a big nigga to me. He's a big nigga that ran the ball. He like <laughs> ran the ball effectively. <laughs> He's a big quarterback that that ran niggas over. That's all he was to me. Sometimes that's all you need. Nah, he went to, to me. He's a bigger Tim Tebow. Okay, I'm more right, accurate. So. A lot more accurate. Well, a, a little, little bit more accurate than Tim Tebow. A lot I'm more pocket so. presence. I'm saying he had a lot of Tim Tebow ish qualities. Mm-hmm. And I think that he he's a better passer than Tim Tebow. I think it does say something though. They turn those Tim Tebow inequalities into a lot of winning seasons. That's true. I think it does that say defense something. though kind of helped out. A little it, bit. It, it okay. does, I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong. It definitely does help out. But I'm also also can't say like when Cam was one of the big things about uh, one of the big threats with the Panthers was a Cam a deep ball to Steve Smith. You know what I mean? It's hard to beat yeah. that. And okay, so looking back, since you you kind of made the connection of Joe Burrow and Cam Newton, do you can you blame the Panthers for drafting Cam at number one? Oh, after actually, the more, came more, more importantly, <laughs> more importantly, can you blame them for keeping him that long? Yeah, I, I think they would. They, I, I, I agree with you when you said they just probably had a lack of options when it came to Cam, and I haven't done like any kind of research to find out like who was on the trading blocks, you know, during during Cam's you know time, um, but. Definitely, um, they didn't have a lot of options when it came to what they were going to do with Cam. So, when you don't have options, you got to kind of just stick with what you got. So, and it just turned, I think it does say something that it's it's one thing if it's like they get Cam and however many scenes he has, the next few draft picks are going to be bust. But most of the draft picks they've been taking since they had Cam have been really effective players. Yeah. So I I, I think that says something too. It's just more like now they realize like okay now they're in a, because of that now they're in a position where it's like we're not a terrible team. 
we just, we just need to fix the quarterback, which is I think like I said before, it's like oh, one thing I would rather the last thing I would rather fix is the quarterback. So like everything else is fine, so it makes my quarterback job a lot easier. Where does where does Cam land this year? Oh, where does he land this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm, I got Chargers. I think I think the Chargers are gonna get scared off by two. They're gonna go. They're gonna go with uh, Cam. I I I, I want to be fair. I want Tyrod Taylor to give him another chance, but I got a feeling the Chargers are gonna go get Cam. I'm like why why the fuck not? Joe, uh, I'm trying to think of a good fair spot. Like, I I can genuinely see him not getting picked up by a team this year, because uh, an aspect of it, I I generally don't see him wanting to be a a backup. He's gonna have to be a backup on a team because every the time they released the when they released him, it was a really messed up time, really fucked up time to release him because they released him like when everything was going on. You can't really get a physical on him. He's a hurt. He's an injury like known as an injury prone player. And when they were the time they released him was a really messed up time to release him. And everyone's kind of had their like what their plan going forward already set. So they released him at a really bad time. And so like the best place to like that I would like to see him go, I would like to see him went to the Chicago Bears, but they picked up Nick Foles before he even got released. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh Washington Football Club. What him and Dwayne right next to each other? Yeah. Um I think <laughs> I don't think Ron Rivera, I don't think Ron Rivera likes him that much. I think I think everyone's like the way they talk about Dwayne Haskins, they talk about him like he's a little like baby cub lion. Like they're really scared to hurt his feelings. So if you bring Cam in there with the fashion and that that, that swag, the swag he got going on, the feather in his ear, and it's like, fuck, gonna be like it's like fuck the playbook, Dwayne. I want you to read Cam's captions. Thank you. <laughs> and it's gonna really hurt. Uh, they're really scared of uh, hurting Dwayne Haskins' confidence. So it's like this will be your practice today. I want you to read this. <laughs> Try to instill some confidence in you. All right, I think. This is what I would do. And again, I'm I'm I don't know, I'm not an expert in this probably gonna show, but if I'm Detroit Lions, I'm trading Matthew Stafford and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go sign Cam. Well real quick though, I think the problem in Detroit is not is that coach. I heard all, I'm hearing a lot of bad things about that coach. Oh I well from uh, my red stuff like that. Like nobody likes that coach. After Darius Slay left, they're like, Yeah, that, that, that guy's terrible. Or what about Dolphins? I guess that's my point. I bet whatever team doesn't get Tua will probably sign Cam. But mm-hmm. I don't think they want Jameis yet. Jameis gonna be a nice backup somewhere. And I don't think they want Andy Dalton. I don't think he'd be a nice backup somewhere. A nice confident bet. You'll be confident. But nah, my thing is, you go get Cam. You let Tua sit for a year. You let him learn the Cam. But no, that's the thing though. Would you rather? Would you rather? We're gonna, so you're gonna draft. You're gonna draft Tua and then sign Cam to a, a fifteen million dollar contract. I don't think Cam get that much. Neither do I, but my, my, my whole, my, that's my whole point. I think whatever team is going to get Cam and be like, shit, we missed Tua. We need something. So let me get Cam. Now, see, my thing is the fact that, uh, like, if, if you're Miami right now, I see your options right now is if you can't get, which I think they will with the their first first round pick, the first first round pick, I think they're going to try and get Tua. Let's say they can't get Tua. They get the two linemen because they're like one of the worst, the worst offense lines in the league. So you get two linemen. And then you're going in the season with, I think it's Fitzpatrick. I think honestly think he's on his last year in the contract. Mm-hmm. So I think you either you play out with Tua being the backup or you play it out with um, him not as a backup. You have two new offensive linemen. I think Fitzpatrick either good enough to get you to the playoffs or bad enough to uh, tank you, make you tank. tank you, and you get Trevor Lawrence. So I think yeah. it's a win win for them. Or, so or I don't yeah, see them wanting to buy it, get a quarterback. That's a good point, but I mean, I just don't see. I think I wouldn't be. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Cam doesn't play next year. 
Because of the whole stuff going on right now, no one can get any doctors. I don't think, no, no think nobody's going to be playing next year myself. But <laughs> anyway, um, oh, and uh, guys, I think I think it's also part of a bigger scheme to get the two Jameis and Cam, the two black court like black corporates on the rise. Oh no, let's stop that real quick. Yeah, let's stop All that. Right, you only quick. get three per year, <laughs> and no, really two because Patrick doesn't count. That's like, oh, okay. Uh, I'm gonna be coming to a close, uh, but I had to ask you uh, real quick. See any movies? Or TV shows? Um, I saw Malcolm X on uh, Netflix. Oh, classic movie. Very classic. This show should have won. Um, but I got a few questions. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm, like I said, I'm, Shoot away. I'm more of a privileged, privileged type, but damn, shit was messed up back in the day, man. <laughs> like, I, I know this is a movie and it doesn't even quantify how bad it really All was. Right, before we go on that movie, I... There were so many scenes in that movie that I was like, damn. So I can think of one in particular. So tell me your damn. My mind was the uh was him in the uh, when he's at school. He just, you know, his his dad just his, uh, I guess his dad was gone, so um he was in class, you know, he was at a white school in Boston, right? And uh, I want you to listen to this. Listen. Was invisible. Now, the important thing. Is to be realistic. We all like you here, you know that. But you're a nigger, <laughs> and a lawyer is no realistic goal for a nigger. But why don't I, Strowski? I get the best grades in class. I got voted class president. I want to be a lawyer. No, I want you to think about something that you can be. You're good with your hands, making things. People would give you work. I would myself. <laughs> See, well, first of all, so my question really comes into so that scene was it's powerful. You know, he's at a white school. He's trying to say, first of all, he said, "I I got the best grades in the class." Like, I don't know how good those grades really are. Second of all, is the teacher helping or hurting him? Because he's being real with him. So I'm be being real with him, man. He's being real with him. He's destroying the kids' like, hopes and dreams. Look, You're a look. <laughs> You're a nigger. Like he's being honest with him. What he destroyed his hope and dreams. I mean, I'm a, I say Malcolm X turned out fine. So you would have been, you would have taken the, you got to sell some crack or something, nigga. <laughs> shoot some hoops or something. Shoot some hoops or something. Yeah, yeah, ball out, man. <laughs> hey, don't, only two ways out. Only two ways out. Either in a coffee no, on man, the hoops. you can't say that to you. That's, where, that's where exactly why, a, bit, a huge reason why oh. there's a, a, a sect of, of blacks at a certain age that are at, that they were taught to that way, man. I'm not saying he was right. I'm just saying, like, in the context of him, can you blame him? Like, if, if the whole context, like, if if we if this was 1932, you know what I mean? And I told you that I want to be a lawyer one day. No, that like, that, would you again, really would you really be straight up be like, you can do it? Yes, you have to. And as a teacher, you should that should be your your you can. And even when you lie about it, you should say, you know what? Because you you might have that dumbass kid in the class who'd be like, I want to be a doctor. You gotta say, well, you know what, little dummy? You gotta go ahead and be the best doctor you can be. I just gotta point that. I'm not, I'm not agreeing with him. I, you're right. Like, you probably shouldn't say that. And you, you shouldn't be lying like that. But also. But also, too, you have to realize that, you know, like your grandfather, my, my grandfather, so it'd be your great grandfather, he, um, he came from the old school thinking of, like, you know, he, he believed in education. Um, was the first black principal in, in one of his parishes in Louisiana. But he believed that, you know, 
blacks had to kind of corner a market and 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 like in their carve their mm-hmm. niche with like with their hands and become yeah, craftsmen carpenter. and carpenters and painters and, <laughs> no, I, and no, plumbers and, I, and I those totally, were the those were the key positions that blacks need that you know needed to have to hold. You know, I, I totally get it, but just like most of this movie, like they'll totally say some things. You're like, yeah, this is a great idea, but then they'll say something else. They'll be like, you know, black people should take control of the economy. Like our own, our own community. Like, yeah, you're right. And get the Jews. I'm like, all right, okay. <laughs> it's like, let's relax. And the women should be staying like, okay, well, let's just well, one step at a time. It's nation of Islam. And that's, yeah, they they had those really, really, you know, those war, you know, sense of thinking as far as that. But it was, it was to me. I remember that movie. I watched that a long time ago. Uh, I, I don't know if it was because of Spike Lee's trying to show how flamboyant black people were in those times but those suits <laughs> that he had them wearing I was like okay wait you see how they walk too I get it they walk with that strut <laughs> exactly in the hands I get it they were trying to they were really flamboyant but you didn't have to you, you just kind of force it down my throat they, on that one they're, this is why I can wrap this up if I can move on to my TV show the <laughs> main things from that movie I got I understand was first of all the casual use of the hard R by that teacher <laughs> Like it's one thing to say it's one thing to say you're a nigga, you're a nigger. Like you're a nigger, Malcolm. This is a hard R. I'm kind of like you could just. I, I just say he's a child. But damn, the flamboyancy. You were mm-hmm. right. How flamboyant? Like the, my eyes were hurting. And also, I was thinking to myself like, what are the top top three self proclaimed prophets? Like Elijah Muhammad was like, I'm spreading the ideas of this black and this. Like yeah, you know, using Muslims, but boss, I'm gonna fuck these bitches. Like you know, it's kind of like. <laughs> I got three unwed. I got three children from different mamas. Well, I think that's the point. They were trying to show how how inconsistent they were with some of their beliefs. I think that's what Malcolm figured out. Also, Malcolm figured out that that everything that they were teaching and they were trying to to convey was kind of bullshit. Yeah, that's that's exactly why he was like, you know what, man, fuck this shit. How I knew that too was kind of like when uh, when they oh Jack Rapps got called up to the major leagues, and it's like, oh, that's a great idea. The other guy, I forgot the guy's name, he's like, that ain't great. Yeah. They give us an inch. I was like, you have to play a nigga playing baseball. Like the white man, I'm like, yo, can we just be happy for something? Nah, man, but you you know what? And here's y'all don't see that's again your little somewhat type privilege that you know shit your job grew up in. You realize that and there was a point in my life when I was a teenager that actually around that time the movie came out where the nation of Islam was you know, they were heavy in Compton, so they, they were all over and the influence that they had for young men like myself, you know, you, you gravitated towards brothers like that. You gravitated towards mosques where you saw guys that were neat and that they were disciplined. And yeah. I, they, I totally they get seem that. To know that they, they seem to know so much. I just you know? can't, I guess this is where all my pros come in. I just can't convince myself that like you want to follow like this guy's the best intro from God. Like, okay. And he's 62. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> This man didn't even lift their slavery. What? It's kind of like I don't know, man. Like why him? Oh, it's it's definitely a you know it's definitely a belief. It's definitely something that they you know that they have it, with all religions. You you kind of have to have some sense of you know fantasy yeah. you know fantasy in it. But yeah. it's it's a belief. And um, but Malcolm was I think that the movie was great. I think that like you said, he should have won an Oscar for it um, for his portrayal of Malcolm. Well, I guess he's the, one of my, my my favorite heroes of yeah. of of, of, uh, of of the time. And let me just wrap this up too. One last thing is the TV show I've been watching is uh, 
I don't know if you know a lot of people. You know, me and think about me and you. That is, we love movies that like impossible white man shit. We call it. <laughs> Got that from black black man black, black guy with tips. Yeah, yeah, black guy with tips. <laughs> impossible white man shit is just like you know when you see it. It's just like like that nigga didn't do that. You know what I mean? Like what so, you watch? so I'm watching a show called Deputy. <laughs> it's on uh, I watch it on Hulu, but it's on FX, but. It's a good. It's a good idea of a show. It's kind of yeah. like oh, we're kind of use like a nice western sheriff, but mm-hmm. we're using. It's just hard to do that with modern where LA. Take, where does it take place? Is it LA? It's in LA. So okay. it's like oh, we're doing the take of the old fashioned western uh, <laughs> sheriff, but and here's Crenshaw. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> it's kind of. Is he wearing like boots and shit? Nick just wear. Nick doesn't even have a, a uniform. He be wearing like a. He be wearing like a jean shirt with some jeans and boots. And like for example, the last episode I watched, like one of the cops got shot. It's just coming in like, all right, y'all. <laughs> I know which vengeance is something on your mind right now, but we gotta do blah 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 blah. And then he's like talking to the like the main the LAPD and like the council, whatever it is. And it's like, y'all just forgot what it's like out there. <laughs> I'm just like, all right, like it just I guess now it is, it's tough to do. It's one thing to do if it's in the uh, Wild West. Another thing to do with not bar time because it's hard to feel bad mm-hmm. for a lot of cops. You know what I mean? But so is the show like a? Uh, is it just him solving the mystery every week, or is he? Is he kind of? It's, it's a drama, so a lot of stuff happens. Like for example, there was one where like a, a person got kidnapped, and they mm-hmm. found a person. They found a person where he was kidnapped, like in the mountains somewhere in the, mm-hmm. in the fucking thing. The man, this nigga said like, "Oh, we can't get it through trucks. Y'all, y'all got horses." <laughs> it's like three three motherfuckers on horses riding on a on a, on a, on a gang camp. <laughs> Apparently unheard. No one heard any footsteps or anything like that from horses coming no in. Hoofs. No hooves, nothing. This nigga, this nigga jumped off his horse, did a barrel roll, and shot two dudes with a shotgun. All right, so yeah, I probably will skip that one. You should not watch it. It's ridiculous, but also kind of like funny how how they view themselves. Yeah, they 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 definitely take it to the extreme. What about you? Have you watch anything? Uh, I just uh, I'm almost done with this show called Money Heist. It's um kind of like a just a heist movie, like a heist type show on on Netflix. Uh, it takes place, I think, in Spain. So if you can deal with like the the um the ad, the, the dub language and stuff like that, it's all in English, but they kind of dub their their voices. Uh, that's pretty good. Um, some a lot of mm, a lot of shit in there. You know, a lot of they dodge a lot of bullets. <laughs> so I'm not one of a fan of people who can dodge bullets like that. But yeah. a lot of shooting going on and nobody really getting hit. I so, saw I saw one clip in there, just niggas were shooting right next to people's ears. Yeah. I was kinda like, oh. yeah. I don't know so, anything about I don't know a lot about guns, yeah. but that's loud. But they, they have this perfect robbery and it's like they this one dude, they call him the professor. He I mean, he he literally thought of everything. And you're like, okay, come on, buddy. Everything. Come on, come on, you thought everything, buddy. So, no, that's pretty good. I watched that, and then, um, you know, me and your mom watching Grey's Anatomy. So, never knew that doctors fuck so much, but <laughs> pretty much. I mean, you should know like that, that one. You should know that when you watch the house. Doctors yeah. dying, dying a lot, and yeah, fucking. But my recommendation for the the people out there would be Ozarks season one, two, and three uh, on Netflix. That's definitely a great show to go watch. Go check that out. Uh, another one of those. Uh, don't know why people get in some of these situations they get in. Why people really get into some bad situations and they don't know how to get out of them. But uh, I guess it's a curse to be smart and white because Mexican drug lords will take advantage of it. 
Literally. Yeah, like, it's hard to hard to blame them for that situation. Exactly. So you did this. So what, what did you do? <laughs> anyway, um, got any shout outs, man? Um, nah. <laughs> I've been chilling, man. I've, I've been all doing working with this pandemic stuff. So everyone stay safe out there. Wash your hands, please. Everybody's dirty out here. Oh, I, we're quick before you go. I've been telling. I'm an older coworker. I would say maybe a maybe we're actually a, probably a little older than you. And I was just telling him like, "Hey, man, you scared about this pandemic stuff?" It's like, "Nah, man, I ain't scared." I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you were more at risk than everybody. So like, I got the blood of Jesus in me. Like, ain't, gonna, ain't nothing I can't see, can't scare me. I'm like, even watching. Hey, hey, hey! You know what? My mama sent me a picture with a plastic bag around her face. <laughs> And said once she had a mask, and I was like, "My God, do I tell my mom to take the plastic bag off her face? Will she kill herself?" Or but that's she- the last thing you put in her face. <laughs> Some plastic. But uh, now nah, my shout outs go out to again. Uh, you know, thanks again to all everyone who's going to be listening. Uh, we hope to have good content. The, the website's coming along. We got the email up. So if you want to shoot us an email, it's going to be a. Uh, I'm editing this in post production because the email that he put was wrong. So it's uh the somewhat podcast, somewhat S O M E W H A T podcast at gmail.com for y'all. Thank you. Uh website's coming up pretty soon. We'll also have a Twitter handle coming out pretty soon. So uh hit us on Twitter, hit us on Gmail. Other than that, shout out to my main man, uh Rod, holding Cleveland down. He'll be on the show soon. You gotta hear his his loud takes and his loud voices. Um you got something to know, yeah, real quick. Since the draft is in two weeks, I do want to do a deep dive of these fake mock. I mean, fake these terrible mock drafts. Have you seen? That's a good. I, I think, do want to do a deep dive. I think of some next of week we can go ahead and do a. How about we do mock drafts from the past of how terrible they were, how bad they were, how uh, more so how far off they were. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, because bleach reports, think, yeah. bleach reports, mock drafts are terrible. Yeah, I think it takes three years for you to figure out how the draft went. So. We got to start from like the 2015 draft. All and right. Then we go back. So we do that. Um, shout out to my main man, Joe. Joe, you got any shout outs? Uh, yeah, yeah. Real quick, real quick. A few. Um, thanks for the intro music. To um, We got uh, Dare House. It's at, at I-M-D-A-R-E-H-O-U-S-E. I, I'm Dare House on Instagram. And then we got, uh, yeah, the don't forget the email if you guys want to contact us and talk about anything, get any recommendations and stuff for us. Uh, maybe you guys want to come on a pod or anything like that. It's the the somewhat privileged email is uh, the somewhat podcast at gmail.com. And then, uh, no, nah, I think that's pr- uh, pretty much it. Safe recovery for my boy Forrest out there. He got COVID 19 like a week ago, but you know, Damn. His, his Forrest got COVID 19? <laughs> yeah, his dumb ass was, he went to Austin like right when the news broke, when the, everyone quarantined. He was like, his dick. <laughs> he COVID, like on, COVID on his dick. <laughs> He heard about the uh, COVID nineteen school got canceled next week. He's like, you know what? Let's go to Sixth Street, Austin. Boom. See, that's why like, this nigga. That's what he, he got to deserve take that shit one. Seriously, but, damn. But uh, nah, I'm man. trying to go out. Prayers up. Yeah, he says he's, he's safe and stuff, so he's straight and stuff. So uh, yeah, just shout out to Dare for the intro music and probably gonna be the outro music too. So you got um at I'm Dare House on Instagram, and uh, that's pretty much it. All right, folks. Um, appreciate y'all hanging out with us for um the last few hour, like last hour and a half or so. Uh, appreciate the time. Uh, we will see you guys next week. And uh, everybody stay up. This is the Somewhat pri- somewhat Privileged Podcast coming at you for uh, another one. Y'all have a good one. Out.
watching TV. Hey, 